Welcome to It's All About the Story, grief stories that connect us. This podcast takes you into the lives of people who have gone through loss and have come out the other side to experience joy again. Each story is someone's lived experience and reveals how wrestling with grief can turn loss into wisdom. You might even find some of these insights helpful in your own grief journey. Come, meet the people like yourself who have experienced loss and who now openly share their story with us. And now, here is your host, Rick Berg. Well, welcome everybody to It's All About the Story, Grief Stories That Connect Us. I'm your host, Rick Berg, and it is good to be together once again. George Bonanno, a clinical psychologist at Columbia University and author of The Other Side of Sadness, has studied grief for over 20 years. Among his most provocative findings is that 50 to 60% of mourners show no symptoms of grief one month following a loss. Some even overcome the grief within days. What drives these people forward? What holds the others back? And why do some mourners recover from grief quickly, much more quickly than others? Well, a new study hints at an answer for us. There is a specific way many people can, no matter what their circumstances may be, transcend despair and distress. Researchers Michael Norton and Francisca Gino at Harvard Business School wanted to know how people cope with extreme loss. To determine what was what that something was, Norton and Gino asked 76 research participants in the first study to write about a significant loss they experienced, like the end of a relationship or the death of someone they love. They also asked the participants to explain how they coped with the loss and to describe any rituals they did. The researchers were surprised by the results. Many of the rituals reported were not the public ones that inspired Norton. Rather, they were the private rituals. When Norton and Gino probed deeper into the emotional and mental lives of their research subjects, they found that rituals help people overcome grief by counteracting the turbulence and chaos that follow loss. Rituals, which are deliberately controlled gestures, trigger a very specific feeling in mourners. The feeling of being in control of their lives. After people did a ritual or wrote about doing one, they were more likely to report thinking that things were in check and less likely to feel sad and out of control. Teresa Ellers has been interested in the role of rituals in her own grief journey, and she joins us today to share some of her thoughts and feelings. So I'd like to welcome you, Teresa, to It's All About the Story. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. So let's get into the definition right away. I mean, what is, what is a grief ritual from your uh, perspective? So from my perspective, a grief ritual is a tangible activity that is connected to or in memory of a lost loved one, um, often performed on an anniversary or a birthday or another date of significance. Okay, so and why, why, are these, uh, why are they important? 
Um, I mean, for, for me personally, um, I lost a number of people when I was quite young. I lost both my parents and my partner um, before I was 22 and a number of friends. And the year was sort of this year of landmines um, of various days that would depress me and, you know, I would sort of dread them coming. Um, and I had to find a way to sort of interact with the memory of these people in a way that didn't feel hokey. Um, in modern times, we don't really have many grief rituals. We have the funeral. Um, and in the pandemic, I think I realized how important even that is. You know, that was taken from us, the, the sort of community grieving and the, the performance of a funeral. And I realized how many people I knew were grieving and didn't even have that piece of it. Mm -hmm. um, and started looking a lot into my own grief rituals and how I could could share them with others. And I, I think ritual has been really documented as to how important it is for us as humans. Um, and throughout history, we did have a lot more grief rituals than we do now. Um, I've been on your show before talking about the Day of the Dead um, and how that's a really cultural mourning experience for, for certain people. And um, a lot of people do know about it. They, they often don't know, though, that there is also a day built into that ritual specifically for mourning children who are lost. So mm -hmm. that was a very important day for mothers in the community to, to have their grief recognized, to be able to speak about their lost children. And yeah, in modern times, most of our grief rituals are just the funeral and then sort of things that I personally didn't connect with. I don't want to plant a tree or just mm. go, yeah, th those things don't feel like they're connecting me to the real person. Um, so it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting for me too. You talk about, um, you know, uh, the, you know, funeral or memorial service being a ritual. And yet we know, you know, from statistics, less and less people are actually, um, you know, involved in those kind that kind of ritual even uh, anymore. And so do you have any insight or any reason why, uh, like, why is it that people don't, get the importance of rituals. I mean, you know, yeah. Why, do you have any insights into that? I mean, I think a lot of our modern grief rituals are also just painful. They're associated with, with pain. A funeral mm -hmm. happens right after a death usually. Um, mm -hmm. And we don't, we don't often have a large hand in planning them either. They're sort of this, this thing that the funeral industry has a, you know, a, a prescribed way of doing that most people just adhere to. Mm -hmm. um, this year, I took some courses with the American School of Thanatology. Um, one of them was Thanabotany, which is a very new field. It's the study of death and plants and how they relate. And the director told this beautiful story of um, a family coming in and, you know, they weren't very religious. And they said, we don't know how to plan a service that feels like it is in remembrance of our loved one. And the director looked up that this person was Welsh and in Welsh tradition, um, they often laid rosemary at the graves. Mm -hmm. So they planned a service around this ritual of everybody getting a sprig of rosemary um, and laying it on the person's grave. And the family has even reached out to her years later saying, you know, they, they still get text messages from people. Oh, I'm, I'm in a bar having a drink and there's rosemary in it. And it made me think of your dad. And it's, mm -hmm. it created this, this sort of thing that felt like the person as opposed to it just being this this pre-planned thing that everybody does. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to find a way to integrate grief rituals that felt good and positive and made me feel like I had 
spent time with the person almost, as opposed to it being this painful, depressive thing only about their death. You know, there's so much more to a person um, mm-hmm. that we lose than just how they died. And that wasn't the part I wanted to remember. Mm-hmm. So you're speaking, I mean, you know, many people kind of think that rituals, perhaps, um, you know, this ritual of, of what happens following the death immediately. So we have to do something right away. But you're talking about rituals that uh, across time. Yes, absolutely. So they're important absolutely. for us to think about. And I think that's that's really that's really important because, as you know, I mean, many people have this conception that once that person has died, well, that relationship uh, is over and done with and it doesn't exist. But uh, when I've spoken to you previous, you have kept those relationships alive uh, and honored them in your life. And is it, have, have rituals allowed that relation, those relationships to continue in your life then? Absolutely. Um, I, I think I've also spoke previously on your show about having a home altar in which I sometimes bring things um, in my mind to various people's photos. It allows me to feel like they're still in my life and around their birthdays, uh, which is where a lot of my grief rituals are planned out now. It lets me feel like I'm still celebrating them, their life, their presence in my life. Um, And yeah, it's allowed a lot more peace around my grief, for sure. I used to really dread death anniversaries and birthdays. Um, They would really throw out a whole week for me, at least. So then what was it that, I guess, uh, what was it that convinced you that you needed to actually integrate grief rituals into your life then? Um, I think it was the amount of loss that I had. Um, Mm -hmm. There were just so many people, and it, it felt like almost every month there was another day to dread um, that made me think of someone that was gone. And I realized I had to come up with something that was a little more positive uh, for me, or that grief was just always going to be very heavy for me to carry. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us um, a little bit about some of those grief rituals that you hold in your heart? Absolutely. Um, so my, for my mother's birthday, uh, my mother had a beautiful garden. Uh, she died when I was very young, but I do remember her garden very well. So usually on her birthday, I design a bouquet of flowers that remind me of her um, with colors and textures that she liked or, um, you know, things that were in her yard. I often go buy myself a new nail polish and do my nails because she always had very nice nails. Um, my father and I used to uh, shop a lot for records. So usually I have a record store day. I put on yeah. my old leather jacket that I used to wear around him and I go to the record store and buy a couple albums. Um, I will often make bacon fried rice, which is a meal he used to make for me all the time. And that's yeah. what I have that night. Um, my grandmother, I, I make a meal that she taught me that is this very 1970s meal with, you know, cream soups in the can and, and all these powders, but, but she really liked to make that I make once a year. And I usually tell stories about her. Um, and I have a friend who's really taken that ritual as well. Uh, his mother died a few years ago and on her birthday, his siblings all come over with their children and they set their mother's picture at the head of the table and everybody tells a story about grandma. Um, and that way his kids can sort of get to know her in that way as well. Um, so I really like rituals that are planned around food as well. I'm Italian, so if I can <laughs> find a way to eat when I'm doing anything, I will. Um, something I do for multiple rituals, depending on where I'm at this that year, uh, if I really feel like I need to speak to someone or say something to them or 
you know, wish that I could converse is I will get a piece of degradable paper and I will write a letter to them um, in ink and I'll usually go to some sort of water. I mean, we're lucky to live on Vancouver Island so I can go to the ocean or a lake and I will put the letter in the water and I will watch the ink sort of disappear and the paper degrade. And that's very cathartic to, to sort of see it go away. Um, so yeah, a lot of things are around what reminds me of them um, and what I did with them when they were alive. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, planning ahead for those. And I mean, you're, you're kind of visiting sadness a little bit, obviously. A little bit, yes. When you're, when you're uh, remembering someone. Uh, but what, how do you feel after then? Like, what, what's, yeah. I mean, most of the time, quite good. Um, but there is sadness, of course. I mean, this year, I, I had this beautiful bouquet of flowers for my mother's birthday. I painted my nails. I felt really good about remembering her all day in this positive way. And then just before bed, I cried for about 15 minutes because these things are very nice. But of course, it would be much cooler, you know, if she was alive. Yeah. Um, it's not meant to distance myself from the grief, but rather to cherish it. And the person, um, you know, I want to be clear, these rituals aren't something you do that all of a sudden the pain disappears by any means. Um, but it does allow me to move it into a more positive realm for sure. And it feels productive for me. For sure. mm -hmm. I mean, at the onset, I shared that little uh, research study by George Bonanno and the researchers from Harvard who talked about the importance of, of uh, you know, personal rituals. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm curious to personality when it comes to rituals. I mean, you're very artistic. I know that in your uh, in nature. Um, you know, is it easier for somebody who's artistic to kind of think about these symbols? And, and how do you how do you encourage people to plan, uh, you know, ahead for for the rituals in their own lives? Yeah, I've had this conversation a few times this year because of the pandemic and so many friends who have lost people and who are not able to have um, public rituals who have asked me, you know, how do we plan our own grief rituals? Um, so the first thing I usually tell them to do is to write down everything that they associate with the person that is gone. Um, and that can be colors, places, music, food, um, activities you did. Um, I find even people who aren't very religious are often, uh, they can relate to nature. So, you know, is there an element that reminds you of them? Did you ever go to a lake? Do they like hiking, any of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and then to pick out ones that do make them feel good that they, that that feel like they connect with them that don't feel hokey or or strange um it can be very simple i i have a friend of mine who passed away last year and a few friends have made the decision that they're going to meet every year on his birthday and have a drink in a bar and talk about him mm -hmm. um i have another friend who is has planted a small memorial garden for her father because you know plants really remind her of him um, it can be as simple as listening to an album or making their favorite meal or something like that. Do you, do you, um, do you share these uh, rituals? They're private rituals. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you, um, is there a, is there a, a, a positive part about sharing these together as well as a, you know, members of the family or friends who are also, mourning the loss of that individual on those specific days? 
Absolutely. And I think that's very specific to the person who's grieving. And some people are more solitary in their grief and some people, um, you know, really prefer connection. And I, I think it can be very healing for family units as well to participate in these things. I think a number of family units, um, you know, they're not always great at processing grief together. We process differently. Um, and yeah, there is a, an idea in our society of sort of being over things uh, within a few months or a year. So sometimes it can be hard to get people to participate years later um, in something. But I think if you can get people on board and they're interested and it can be very healing as a group. You know, one of the, one of the things I, I talk with uh, about it with my clients um, in my grief practice is planning forward uh, for grief you know, uh, planning for, like you said, in those uh, special events uh, in their life that they know the loved one's not going to be there at, but they're still there because, yeah, they're still there because you miss them, you know. And um, I'm wondering a little bit if you had any experience uh, in regards to, you know, rituals that help healing take place because there hasn't always, not everybody has a beautiful relationship with the person who has died. And yet, um, you know, uh, is there rituals that can, can help in the healing process within people's heart that might be significant? Yes, that's a really great question. I certainly, of the rituals I just told you, um, I mean, my own relationship with my father was not great when he died. So there was a few years where I either did no ritual or my, my rituals were sort of in anger, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, I, uh, I twice wrote a letter, which I then... Um, put in a little tabletop fire um, and let burn away. And I mean, it, it, they weren't necessarily as positive as the other ones, but they still allowed me to interact with him and how I felt about him, um, which did bring me my own healing. And I mean, it's years later now and I do something positive like going to the record store. But I think that you can, you can interact or find a way to, to do something um, in memory, regardless of the type of relationship. And were those rituals helpful for you then in your relationship with your father? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think anytime we get to express something, even if it's not directly to the person, um, it can be very helpful to sort of release that from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there were a number of years of healing that I had to do with my relationship with him before I was able to focus on the positive aspects of our relationship. And that can be really hard when the person's not here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we have people out there, um, you know, listening to us saying, okay, well, how can I get started? I mean, people, you've given some, you've given some great uh, ideas there, but I know you also, um, as uh, with your artistic ability, you've also you've involved in some other projects that can you share a little bit of that with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I also make uh, memorial nichos, which are sort of small little shadow boxes um, in memory of somebody. And they're, they're sort of a grief ritual uh, made into art. So they often contain small items of things people like to do or they like to eat. Um, and it is my hope in the future, uh, once things are a little more open, to be able to host community altars where people will come together and make their own little shadow boxes for people. I will supply everything. Um, and then we will display them together uh, in memory of all the people that we've lost. That, that's amazing. I mean, I really look forward to uh, participating in one of your workshops uh, 
I'm, I'm not artistic at all. So this will be a, <laughs> I, will, I will need lots of help, believe me. <laughs> art, art is for everyone. And I think everyone is a lot more creative than they give themselves credit for, but I'll make it real easy. I promise. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, so um, in regards to that, um, can people get a hold of you or in the future or how would somebody uh, be interested? Yeah. Um, I do have a website. My website is mariateresaallaire.com. So it's M-A-R-I-A-T-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-A-I-R-E.com. Uh, okay. And uh, I, I will have a mailing list up in the near future and will absolutely contact people when I have um, those up and running and my social media links are on there and people can find me through there. That's fabulous. You know what I, what I really love about what you're doing, Teresa, is that um, you've come out of your, your grief journeys and you're still in them. We always are, but you've become, you're intentional in, in, in figuring out what works for you. Um, and now you're um, so willing to share that with uh, everyone else. And I love that because that's, I guess where the rubber hits the road, what do we do? Like, how do we manage this? How do we adapt? How do we discover a different life? Um, and But still remembering and still honoring uh, those individuals who are part of your life. And this whole thing of ritual is so powerful. And so I just, again, thank you for uh, sharing with us um, and our listeners uh, during this episode. Thank you so much for having me. I um, Yeah, I, for a long time, a lot of my grief felt very futile which I think it feels for a lot of people. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to take some of the pain of what I went through and use it to perhaps help others um, alleviate a bit of it as well. Thank you. So if, um, for those of you who have uh, joined in today, please feel free to uh, pass on this uh, podcast to your friends and neighbors and family members. Encourage them to, uh, as uh, Teresa said, to uh, think about ritual. She's given a, a bullet uh, proof plan there of how to kind of look at uh, how we can put those into place and uh, connect with our loved ones who have died uh, forever and honor who they are yeah that we miss them but they're still part of our lives moving forward so for next time um, i'm not sure the next podcast will be a couple weeks time uh, thank you for joining us today and take good care and we'll see you later bye-bye Thanks for joining us today on It's All About the Story, Grief Stories That Connect Us. We hope this podcast was encouraging to you. There are so many different types of loss. Why not take time to listen to some of the other unique stories in this podcast series? Feel free to share them with family, friends, neighbors. If you'd like to receive notifications about the next episode in the series, please subscribe and we'll make sure you don't miss out. We hope that you'll be joining us again on It's All About the Story, Grief Stories That Connect Us with host Rick Berg. Take good care. <laughs>